Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Jim Rafferty about the vital role of language in a healthy organizational culture. Jim Rafferty, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks, John. Nice to be here. Appreciate it. Nice to be with you. I'm super excited to have you joining me to talk about the role of language in a healthy organizational culture. And we're going to sprinkle in there the importance of gratitude in our leadership. You're joining us from Baltimore, Maryland. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And uh, this is just going to be a really fun conversation. As we get started, I wanted to share Jim's bio with everybody. Jim Rafferty is a marketing and communications consultant and principal of JM Marketing LLC in Baltimore, Maryland, where he resides. A former radio announcer and program director, Jim now puts three decades of marketing experience to work helping businesses communicate better writing in a conversational and entertaining style. He is also a former Boy Scout leader, the story of which serves as a catalyst for leader by accident. And I would love to uh, pick your brain about that a little bit more as well. I've, I've spent a decent amount of time uh, in Boy Scouts also. Uh, It's a great breeding ground for, uh, for leadership and, and a lot of the principles that we discuss. So that's fantastic. Uh, And before we really dive on in anything else you would like to share with listeners? No, I I think, you know, really that my leadership story really grows out of, out of the stories in, in leader by accident. And really it all started with scouting. So that, that's a, you know, that's a wonderful place to start if you care to do that. Yeah. Let's start there. Uh, how did you get involved? I know for, for myself, I was involved uh, in scouting as a boy. Uh, and then as I grew into adulthood, I was involved in various scouting leadership, you know, volunteers, leadership roles, um, you know, for probably about a decade. Um, and uh, lots of really great memories, lots of really great opportunities there. Tell us a little bit about your story. Almost the opposite of yours, truly. Um, I, I became scoutmaster of our son's Boy Scout troop when he was 12 under really unimaginable circumstances when the uh, the current scoutmaster and his wife and their two younger sons were all murdered by their oldest son, who was 15 at the time. So you can just imagine what that was like. And truly, we, we didn't know if, you know, the troop suddenly down three members, plus it's, you know, very much beloved scoutmaster. He was a heck of a guy. Uh, you know, if the troop would survive. And in that moment, they turned to me as their new scoutmaster, which was a uh, 
interesting choice to say the least, because I, I had been a Boy Scout for maybe a couple of weeks as a kid. I really didn't like it. And I had no you know outdoor skills to speak of. I was not a camper or a hiker or a kayaker or any of that, the things that you would generally associate and really didn't even have a position at the troop in the in the troop to that point. So the that's sort of the the catalyst of leader by accident was that whole being thrust into that out of my comfort zone and into that leadership role and sort of the the leadership pieces of that in terms of dealing with the young men of the troop and and helping to shepherd them through you know healing from from this but also for me you know the the outdoor adventures and the way they changed me and some of the things we did with uh you know hiking in yellowstone national park and uh, to the bottom of the grand canyon and back and a you know a high adventure trip to the florida keys where we were out on a little island for several days and, and that kind of thing and that in itself i guess is a sort of you know interesting story but really the the gist of leader by accident is how that step out of my comfort zone then a few years later fueled another step into entrepreneurship when i you know i lost the job i'd had for almost 21 years to that point and wound up hanging out my own shingle as a marketing consultant which i had never i mean that had truly never crossed my mind to do anything other than have somebody hand me a paycheck you know and uh, so that, that those two trips out of my comfort zone really are the the, the story of leader by accident yeah, well, I appreciate that. You know, taking that leap of faith, sometimes we proactively just do it and we're, we decide the time is right, we're going to take that leap. Other times it's thrust upon us. It sounds like you've experienced a bit of both. And, uh, mm -hmm. and perhaps the, the first one being thrust upon you prepared you for that second one where you took the leap. Um, ultimately, though, regardless of whether our circumstances just put us in the position where we, we kind of have to decide if we're going to step into the role, uh, step up to the challenge. Or, you know, we, we decide it's something we want to do and change about our, our situation. Um, we all find ourselves in those leadership types of roles. And, and right now, in the midst of the great resignation, the great awakening, you know, whatever we want to call it, um, more and more people are really stepping out of their comfort zone, stepping into the unknown, and trying to figure out what makes sense and what's going to work for them long term. And so many people are starting new entrepreneurial endeavors. Many people are testing out the waters of the gig economy. Uh, so, you know, perhaps many of those people will find their way back into a traditional corporate setting. But more and more, you know, we've seen this trend over the last decade or more that people have been moving that direction. And I think, I think um, the, the pandemic has just accelerated that trend. So it'll be super interesting to see how all of that plays out. Now, the, the horrific kind of backstory to when you were thrust into a leadership role in your scout troop uh, I, I just can't even imagine um, th that kind of circumstance, but you're trying to deal with amidst everything, all the emotional trauma um, involved in that kind of a situation. You're trying to establish, uh, perhaps recreate uh, uh, and, 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 and put in place a healthy culture for your troop, for your organization. And then as you start your own marketing consultancy, same thing, you're, you're trying to, um, from the ground up, create that kind of an approach. Um, and there's, a, there's a whole bunch of different ways that we can build a healthy organizational culture. There's lots of mechanisms, there's lots of little different tools in the toolkit to help us to do that. But one of those is the role of the language we choose to use. Uh, as we push forward, you know, the type of culture that we want to see. Um, tell us a little bit about more about that and some of the lessons learned through some of these accidental leadership opportunities that you found yourself in about how we can create and sustain that healthy organizational culture. 
Yeah, there, there was a moment uh, in my scoutmaster years. One of our scouts was junior year of high school, I guess, and we were just chatting, you know, setting up chairs before a meeting. And I knew about, you know, where he was in school and I asked him if he started to think about college majors and things like that. And we chatted a little bit and he said, Mr. Rafferty, what do you think I should do? And I said, well, I, I don't know. What do you like to do? What interests you? And we talked a little more and I completely forgot the conversation had ever happened. A uh, year and a half later, when he reached the rank of Eagle Scout, he sent me a thank you note, which is very kind. But in that note, he recalled that conversation that I had forgotten. And he said that was the first time in his life that anybody had asked him what he wanted to do with his own life. You know, he's 15 or 16 years old at that point. And that was, you know, a real eye-opening leadership moment for me that a lot of times what we think is small talk, a throwaway question or comment or something like that, it can, is taken much more to heart by, you know, someone who was looking to us for leadership. Now, in this case, that was probably a good thing, right? But it just as easily flips the other way. And this seems to me to just get more and more relevant because, you know, we have so, especially even before the age of the remote workforce, but especially in the age of the remote workforce, we have so many ways to communicate. Most of them involve typing. And it's so easy for the, the tone and the intent of what we mean to get lost. And when that happens, two things happen. You have somebody who's reporting to you with their nose bent out of joint. And the second thing is you're typically going to be the last to know. So, you know, I would, if I'm communicating via IM or email or text or whoever, I sure with anything halfway important would want to be in the habit of following up in person or at least by voice, right? To, to make sure not only that it was received and understood, but that the intent was also understood as I intended. Yeah, that's super important. And of course, as an, a communication expert, you know full well the power of of language, both in terms of the, the the spoken word, the written word, but also body language and intonation and tone and like all these things influence the way the message may be received uh, by others, whether it's intended by us or not. Um, you know, it, it can be received a way that maybe not even close to what we intended. And ultimately we bear uh, ownership over that uh, regardless. Right. And, yeah, and, we if, do. and if we're yeah. going to be effective, we have to learn how to hone that skill. 100%. And the body language thing, that's a real challenge now here in the age of the remote workforce, right? Because now you're, you're not only managing someone, but you're managing them, managing them without those nonverb cues you would get if they were sitting across the desk from you. And then you throw onto that over the fact that over the last couple of years, they're probably also trying to, you know, homeschool their kids or take care of an aging parent who they're not allowed to visit or, you know, all the complications that the pandemic threw at us. And I think more than ever, you know, empathetic leadership has always been important, but it's gone to a, a new level here over the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And coming back to your example with with your Boy Scout, I, I think that's a tremendous example of just the subtle ways that um, we we communicate that can have tremendous influence on others. And like you said, it could have just as easily flipped the other direction. And he he wrote in his note to you that this was the first time that he is that someone had asked him what he thought that means how many other countless kind of throwaway comments and and conversations had he had up to that point where people had always tried to kind of just tell him what to do and assert 
you know, that they're thinking on to him and, and whatnot. And so it really stuck out to him, obviously, but he'd had many, many, many other uh, encounters with people who are, I'm sure, incredibly well-meaning individuals who cared deeply about him, wanted him to be happy and successful, yet, you know, he internalized it that way. So, so we just have to be very mindful about how we're having those conversations with people and recognize the impact, like for negative or positive, that, that our words, our deeds, you know, our example will have for others. Uh, and as I reflect back, you know, I haven't thought about scouting in a while because um, it's it's been probably about a decade since I was last involved with scouting. But um, but as I reflect back, as you're you're telling these stories, I, I think probably most of the impact that I had, for better or worse, with um, with the scouts that I was involved with, had nothing to do with what I was saying. It it just had to do with my how, how I was modeling behavior for them uh, and and they're keenly aware of what you're doing at all times. Uh, they're watching carefully and just how I interact with other scouts or if they see me interacting with my family, um, you know, at events where they attend or with my spouse or, you know, whatever, right? Like they're observing, they're watching and it makes a difference. And so, so I just have to make sure that I'm always, you know, doing my best to, to help them understand where I'm coming from and, and put my best foot forward and show them that I care through word and deed. Yeah. And, and, it, you know, and we're all going to have moments where we don't succeed at those things. And I think owning up to that, admitting it and being upfront with them about that. I think one of the things that made it work for me as a, a scout master with no experience was I really made no effort to hide from the young men of the troop, the fact that I had, you know, no experience. And that a lot of times when they were, you know, say stepping into a canoe for the first time, you know, so was I, or maybe the second time, something like that. But, you know, I didn't have a lot more experience. And, and that's something that really helps with your empathy as a leader, when you're experiencing the same thing as your, you know, your, your direct reports in a business setting, you know, but the, the language portion of that, I think, is one of the last things we think of a lot. You know, we spend so much time and money and effort chasing, you know, organizational culture and employee engagement and all this stuff. And uh, there's there's a passage from a Tom Peters book that I that I quote in in my book. And you know, basically he says culture is shaped by the way the boss greets the receptionist as she walks in the door in the morning. Culture is shaped by the casual comments the boss makes as she walks you know, passes five or six people on the way to her office. Culture is shaped by the tone and quality of the emails she responds to in the first 15 minutes of her day. There's that thing about, you know, the, the tone of our, our written communications, you know. Culture is shaped very much by the language we use and the way we use it. And I always say this when I speak to a live group, too, when we talk about leadership, Okay. It doesn't matter whether you are running an organization with 200 people, or if you're the, the salesperson who was hired last week, so right now at, in some part of your life, somebody is looking to you for leadership, whether it's your, your spouse or significant other, whether it's your children, whether it's your aging parent, as we just talked about that kind of thing, or even just coworkers. I mean, sometimes we take turns leading for each other, but the language we use matters. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy. Courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. 
All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. I'm wondering if you could, you know, in your work as a consultant in this area, you know, are there like pitfalls that people just consistently, you know, the, the, those potholes they consistently step into uh, that cause them to fall flat on their face? Like nobody's perfect. Of course, we're going to make missteps. And like you said, we have to own it. We have to be vulnerable and just acknowledge it. The worst thing you can do is gaslight others or try to sh- blame shift and try to pretend like it didn't happen. Cause then you just erode any sort of trust that may have been developing. And if you don't have trust, you don't have anything. You don't have leadership. You don't have culture. <laughs> you don't have anything. So, so what, what are some of those common pitfalls? Uh, and then we can talk about how we can go about proactively avoiding them. Yeah. I, and it's funny. I think the pitfalls are very similar, whether you're, you're communicating as a leader or if you're marketing yourself as a company. And the mistake I see most often is that we tend to take ourselves a little too seriously and we want to use very formal language and, and, you know, big dense words. So people will know how very serious we are about whatever it is we do. And I have this conversation all the time with companies where I'm just like, you know what, I college educated guy, and I've been at this a long time. I just read your homepage top to bottom and I still don't know what you do. You know, because we're, we're trying too hard and we want to, the, the pitfall there is you wind up talking at people instead of talking to them. So I'm a lot about communicating conversationally in just about every circumstance that's not, you know, a legal document or, or something like that. But that, that, that is the main one I see. And I think leaders and especially new leaders do that too. You know, we talk about not being afraid to admit that you don't know what you don't know. That's a new leader pitfall. They, they tend to, you know, very formally communicate and, and, you know, and all that, that is absolutely a new leader pitfall. And it takes a while to get comfortable in your own skin enough to just, you know, be you. I mean, you're, you're in the leadership position for better or worse, because you're you. So go ahead and be you. Yeah, just just own up to it. Um, And again, coming back to to that authenticity that leads and breeds trust. uh, If you're trying to be something you're not, uh, both in word and in deed, people people see it and particularly if you're saying certain things and you know putting things and communicating things that you don't back up with your behavior that's the worst possible scenario because people just won't trust you so be authentic match your word and deed um, do the best you can own up to when things aren't working out the way you'd hoped uh, be secure enough in yourself that you know you know you don't need to prove yourself constantly to everyone around you um, you don't need to, you don't need that external validation constantly. Just know that you're in the position for better or for worse. It's your opportunity to lead out, seek the the wisdom and the insights and the the talents and skills and contributions of everyone around you. Um, 
and, and, and learn and grow and just create an environment where everyone feels like that's what they need to be doing as well. I, I think that's, that's a tremendous thing that a new leader can do is they can set that tone to let everyone know that, yes, I am building the plane while I'm flying it. You're going to be doing the same thing too. It's okay. We're going to all do this together. We're going to fall on our face at times. We're going to pick ourselves back up. We're going to learn from it. We're going to help each other. You know, that is a dynamic kind of a safe, psychologically safe cultural environment where people can thrive. Um, and, and, you know, that, that seems counterintuitive to people, or, or perhaps they just feel like they need to assert themselves. They need to, to express constant confidence. Um, they need to, you know, have power and control over their people. That all is kind of an old school mindset, old school model of leadership that just doesn't seem to play in the modern workforce. Uh, and so, you know, we, like you said, many new leaders fall into those sorts of traps. We, we can avoid it if, if we just try to be ourselves and lean into all the messiness that that includes and involves because we're imperfect people just trying the best we can. Yeah, yeah, the emotional component of leadership, I think, and clearly we went through this as, as a scout troop in the wake of that tragedy. You, you know, there, there's two sides to it, and, and I think you sort of walk a line. And, and the one side of it is, you know, we didn't hide from it. We cried together. We grieved together. We talked about it. We, we, you know, as the case wound its way through the courts, we would stop, you know, we'd talk about it as a group and all, and just to make sure that everybody was, you know, healing at, you know, the, the best pace that we can manage. So I, you know, I think as a leader, you, you can't hide from the emotion of what's going on, but on the other hand, you can't be the one who flies into a panic every time something goes wrong. You see, even if you're the duck with the feet going a million miles a minute under the water, you know, you've got to be calm on the surface to some degree. And I, I'm, that's kind of me by nature, I guess, but that, that worked out well, that combination. And I'm wondering now if we can shift and this connects with what we've been talking about um, up to this point, but the role of gratitude. So I think cultivating that positive um, organizational culture and relationships of mutual accountability and trust, I think a, a good component of that, a good piece of that is just having a culture of genuine gratitude and appreciation amidst your team. Uh, maybe tell us a little bit about how you did that in your troop, but also as you're starting your own consultancy and, and um, what you did with your team there and how you communicate this with other clients that you work with. Yep. Um, so there's a part of the scouting program, which you're probably familiar with, called the Scoutmaster Minute, right? Basically, a, a little message delivered by the Scoutmaster at the end of each weekly meeting to send the young man out the door with a positive or motivational or inspirational thought. And when I took over as Scoutmaster, I thought, well, no, I, I don't know three ways to find north without a compass, but, you know, giving a homily to a captive audience, I think I can do that. So I, I, paid a lot of, put a lot of care into the Scoutmaster Minute that they heard every week and kept an archive of them over the, the five years that I was Scoutmaster. And I use those throughout the book, Leader by Accident, and, you know, share the Scoutmaster Minute that I, uh, that I shared with the boys and then translate it to something that I hope has some meaning for you and me and, and people trying to get through our lives and be leaders and just generally be decent human beings. And one of the real recurring themes for me with the young men was about cultivating that sense of gratitude, because those are the years when, you know, habits are formed for better or worse, and then they start to become the people they're going to be in the long term. And it's, it's so easy to 
focus on the, I mean, all you have to do is scroll through your Facebook feed, right? Like it's so easy to focus on what's wrong and the negative, you know, and it's all we see in the news and all that. And it takes a little more work and a little more effort to call out the things that are good as we go through our days. And it's, it makes such a difference and it's so worth the effort. And so that, that was a recurring part of my messaging to them. And, and for me personally, right around the same time that I became an entrepreneur, I started a very simple exercise that I still do where every night, the last thing I do before I close my eyes is think of three things that happened that day that I am grateful for. And some days it is a real struggle to come up with three things. And other days it's also a challenge to decide which three things, because it was that good a day. And that in itself is a really useful exercise and what's really important to us. But I feel like that has really improved my frame of mind over the years, the act of doing that consistently. And I know some people do gratitude journaling. That is also great. But the, the point is to do something as a habit systematically to to help keep your head in that right space, because there are so many forces conspiring against that in, in the, the stuff that we consume with our eyes and ears every day. Yeah, and, and recognizing we're consuming that, wrestling with that, trying to maintain our mental health, practice our own self-care. Of course, everyone around us is going through the same thing, right? Everyone on our team is dealing with the same stuff. Our, our partner and, and children at home, our neighbors are dealing with the same stuff. So that that is a good reminder that we need to be generous with each other. We need to be patient with each other, everyone. You know, there are, there are some people that wake up with evil intent in the morning, cunning and conniving and trying to figure out how they can take advantage of people that day. But I think most people wake up wanting to do the best they can, putting the best foot forward, doing right by others, helping and serving and, and ex all those good positive things. But we get caught up in the grind. We get caught up in the hecticness and the, the, just the, the craziness of, and busyness of our days. And very quickly, we can just feel overwhelmed uh, and buried by all the expectations uh, and all the negativity that's all, the, all out there. And so practicing that self-reflection um, for ourselves is really important. And then learning to express it in ways that both reinforce our own positive mental well-being, but also being open enough to share it with others around us, others on our teams, so that they can recognize it. So we can, again, model that behavior um, and, and that mindset for them. That is equally as important uh, of, of, a, of a takeaway from this, I think. And, you know, I, I've said this before on the podcast, I'll, I'll say it again now, I'll say it again in the future. But you know, I, I really buy into the, the idea that we should never suppress a kind thought. So if I encounter somebody, and you know, I have the thought, oh, they did a great job with that presentation, or, or, you know, this, that or the other, and I want to compliment them, or I want to say thank you for doing this or that or the other. What does it cost me to actually share that? A little bit of vulnerability because you know I'm putting myself out there a little bit, but other than perhaps making myself a little bit uncomfortable for a moment and being slightly vulnerable, it doesn't cost me anything other than a few seconds. And chances are we'll share smiles, they'll say thank you, you'll have a human connection, which will sustain you and fulfill you throughout the rest of your day as well. So it it you know, just express that gratitude, be genuine, be authentic, don't suppress kind thoughts for others. Uh, and when you can create that kind of a culture within your team, where people are just open with each other, both on the hard things and, and working through the challenges uh, together in creative ways, but then expressing that those genuine sentiments of gratitude and appreciation, it can really, really go a long way. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so easy to get, as you say, just swept away in the tide of negativity. And not that we shouldn't know what's going on in the news, but if you just watch the news all day long, you'd think that everybody, as you put it, wakes up with evil intent and, you know, and that's the way the world is. And it's not. And the same thing with the social media, you fight that a couple of ways, because certainly there, there are, there is a good deal of outright negativity, but then the, the flip side of that is the, the funhouse mirror view we get of other people's lives on social media where, you know, here's our, oh, look, we're, we're vacationing in Cabo. Oh, look, we got a new car, you know, and oh, look, everything's great. Well, you know, that's what we share on social media, but we don't share our struggles largely. And, you know, so it's easy to look and play that comparison game and think, oh, you know, well, gee, they're doing so much better than I am. And, and typically they're, they're not, you know, we're, Nick Foles, the quarterback for the Eagles when they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, I I mentioned this in in my book, um, just gave this most remarkable little off the cuff thing less than an hour after the game was over. And and he talked about that, that that, that he called it the highlight reel of social media and how we're always comparing ourselves to others and all. And and it's not a healthy way to live. So, so I think, you know, beyond cultivating that habit of gratitude, which, which takes more work, it's also sort of monitoring what we're, you know, being a gatekeeper for ourselves in terms of how much time we spend consuming that stuff, whether it's news or the social media feed or whatever, versus being out interacting with other human beings. And certainly there's yet another impact of the pandemic, right? Because we haven't been able to do that for two years. So, you know, that throws another stone on the, on the wrong side of the scale. And, you know, it's, it's a challenge, but it's, it's so worth putting that time and effort in. And if you can, live that way and, and display that as a leader. It, it does your whole team good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jim, it has just been a pleasure. I know at the time it has flown by. I need to let you go here in just a minute, but before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Sure. And thank you, John, for the for the opportunity to chat. I appreciate it. Um, So my book is called Leader by Accident, Lessons in Leadership, Loss and Life. It's available from Barnes and Noble, Amazon. The uh, audio book will be out any second, but for now, printed in ebook formats and leaderbyaccident.com is where you can find information about having me as a speaker or, you know, more information about ordering the book or just connect with me on some other topic. Happy to talk with anyone at any time about anything more or less. So, um, so yeah, thank you. And I really, you know, when, when I do a keynote speech, there are, there are three main topics that, that have grown out of this book and we really touched on all of them today. So that's great. You know, the, the value of getting out of your comfort zone and challenging yourself and the the personal growth that can lead to the, the importance of the language that we use as leaders in, in our organizational culture and this, cultivating a sense of gratitude. So, so thanks for the opportunity to touch on all of those today. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. It has been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Jim and his team can do for you. Check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. 
Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for your individuals, teams, and organizations. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.